I really like this song. Fade it out nice. Fade it out nice. Fade it out nice. Nice, nice. There we go. Subtle. You have to do a subtle fade. I got you. Yeah, man. Yo, guys. Yo! If I sound stuffy or anything like that, it's because I'm fighting a cold. So sorry about that. (laughs) Sorry if I sound stuffy. Sorry if I sound um, a little... Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't really hear myself properly. I got you. I don't know if if it's... in my ears, or I don't know if it's my... These are kind of low, so my, I'll turn them up. My actual ears? I think it's my actual ears. Oh, okay. You don't I, sound that bad, that to be honest. stuffed. But, um, yeah, it's not COVID, okay? <gasps> so, don't... There's such thing as regular colds, Guys, I know. she's in my house, sitting on my chair right now. Some people forget that actual regular colds existed. Prior to COVID, I have to disinfect everything. Yeah, no, honestly, do it. Like disinfect. (laughs) I would if it was my house. Of course. So, but yeah, so we're here, episode two of the Kick Up Podcast. Welcome back, guys. Yeah, man, we have a a lot that we want to talk about today. What are we? uh, How was your week? First of all, how are you? Well, honestly, I've been other than being sick. Yeah, I've been off of work since Monday because I've been sick. So um, I'm still debating if I'm going to go to work tomorrow to see how I feel when I wake up. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I mean, there's just has been a lot going on like around the globe and uh, the news and social media <clears throat> has been hectic. It's been a lot. Right. It's been a lot. Introduce the segment. Well, guys, we told you last week that we had a segment that we forgot to do, but we're going to do it this week. Normally, we do it individually, one by one. We have an On My Heart segment where we just unpack or unload something that's been on our minds or on our hearts for the week leading up to the episode. We take a brief moment to just expound on that, whatever it is, but uh, we decided collectively that we were going to use this segment to um, specifically talk about um, what's happening in just the continent of Africa currently. Yeah, there's a lot happening. I know a lot of you have been hearing about specifically um, about Nigeria with the NSARS movement um, because there's been a lot of coverage over that. There's also stuff happening in Congo. There's stuff happening in... How do you pronounce it? Nambia. Nambia. There's a lot happening in the continent. Um, Cameroon, Ivory Coast. Liberia, Liberia, Ghana, Uganda. It's just... South Africa. The entire nation is on fire. The entire continent is on fire. And it's, 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 it's really sad to see. Because it's like we're already dealing with what's injustices of black people here in north america mm-hmm. so it's hurts to see like the injustice over in the motherland when it's like our own people doing it to each other but we all know there's a root cause of everything and we know the root cause of a lot of this stuff stems from colonialism um but like it's just crazy you know i because i'm not i'm not nigerian i'm not african 
Um, and but I do have a I have a coworker, and I went to her and I asked her because I didn't know I started working at my job like a year ago, and I asked her I was like what um what country are you from? Like what's your ethnicity? And she's like I'm from Nigeria, and I asked her I was just like well how are you? And she was like I'm not I'm not doing okay. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not doing well. And I'm like, I completely understand that. She's like, to, because she has family over there, like mo- like most Nigerians do. They have family back home. And, you know, they're watching all of this happen. And they're watching, you know, the government stand by while innocent protesters are asking just to be treated better by their government. And they're, mm-hmm. and they're being killed. And so she kind of just painted out, like, what exactly SARS is and why they're doing what they're doing and how long this has been going on because it's just now like this has reached a climax but this hasn't been happening for years right and I, what i didn't know was that because you know you said last episode that they were you know sars would stop you know young people for you know having nice things like having airpods or driving a benz or stuff like that but uh, what i didn't know was that like this this militia is literally getting away with like robbery like yeah. they will they will force you to like take money out of your own account and yeah. give to them yeah or and threaten to beat you or kill you like i didn't know the extent of like what was happening what's been happening for years and that like the government has literally been turning a blind eye to all of this yeah i've been i watched last week i watched you know african ape yes yeah i was watching his live and he had somebody on to come and just like talk about what's going on and one of the guys was just like how he got stopped by the SARS unit one time and they literally were like, take out, take out your wallet. And they look at all your cards that you have in your wallet and they tell you to go to the bank and withdraw money from literally all the accounts that you have. Like, it's crazy. And then if you don't, that's when they're like, oh, I'll waste you right here or like, I'll kill you Mm -hmm. right here. And they just kill off people if they resist or... I'm like, that is madness and then now with the protests that's been happening um yesterday um it was all over social uh, instagram Mm -hmm. all my friends were posting about it with the they say massacre at leke at leke toll right with you know i guess the government sent in the army to like fight off these protesters peaceful they were praying they were praying they were holding hands they were they were they weren't doing anything they weren't causing a ruckus they were just they're peaceful protesting and, and they're shooting at these peaceful protests and then we have like some people like DJ Switch and some other people were like live streaming as it was happening and you're seeing people with bullets in them I'm like this is absolutely madness and I can just imagine what like my Nigerian friends are feeling cuz all my Nigerian friends all have family back in Nigeria. There's not one that I can think of where all their family <clears throat> is here. Like, it's kind of different, I feel, with Caribbeans. With Caribbeans, I feel like you could possibly have most of your family move yeah, up to, like, either America or Canada or the UK. Right. But with them, a lot of them, most of their family is back home. And their friends and stuff. So, I mean, because in the grand scheme of things, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I did some of my research before the episode came, and Nigeria is the wealthiest country in Africa. 
Okay. So the government. Are you sure it's not Ghana? No, Ghana is um <laughs> Ghana is Rwanda. the Ghana is the eleventh wealthiest country in okay. in um and so that's a, and Africa's like fifty four technically like fifty four fifty five countries and so it says a lot because the government should be able to you know um I guess be sustainable for for that's their, crazy for that Nigeria is the number one wealthiest country in Africa but yet there's so many poor people and that's what and that's what I asked her I asked my coworker I'm like okay so. I mean, your economy is the wealthiest in your entire continent. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, but like the average Nigerian right now doesn't make over a hundred dollars a month. That is can you can you bad. live on a hundred dollars a month in Toronto? Can you live on a hundred dollars a day? In Toronto? No. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. And so it's just like. <clears throat> You, you look at a government that should be able to sustain and, and, and help and enrich its civilians and they turn around and will it, it's, it, it comes down for me because what I've been seeing with, with, you know, Africans that have been like expressing their outrage with this and they immediately pointed to corrupt leadership, corrupt leadership, old leader, old men, um, that don't want to, um, come out of power people that's been in power forever they claim they're a democracy but clearly they're not because they can't get these people out of the out of power and you know you know um i believe it's because because i would listen to you know I'm a, I'm a big history guy so i'd listen to um stories about you know dictators you know that were you know people like hitler and napoleon and king jong-un and stuff like that and there was a series where they focused on African dictators, which I didn't even know existed. Mm. So there were, um, there were, there were dictated. I forget which what what his name was, but there was there was men that would literally um, they they idolized that seat of power, mm. and they would turn against their people in order to attain it and to maintain it. And so, like they would literally get into get into to to office and then change the rules you know the legislature of office to suit themselves yeah so when they by the time they leave or they die or they get thrown in jail for their crimes or whatever the those rules don't change yeah they don't double back and be like okay let's fix what they did they leave it how it is mm-hmm. so it's it's more than just you know we can say that the president is a monster and all that stuff and and the government is corrupt but the seat is corrupt yeah yeah and that's why like when we when we're talking when we say abolish the police and when we say like you know defund the police and whatever like we're talking about like a, a complete upheaval of the government system because the government itself is not suited to benefit its it its people and i hate to bring it back to um you know that dorito that they have in the white house um i hate to bring it back to him but like it's crazy because a lot of people don't know that behind the scenes donald trump is working on or trying to get like a bill or something passed where presidents can serve more than two terms really yeah so he's he's working behind the scenes and nobody really knows about that no one's paying attention to that I'm not trying to, he's trying to get that passed. And then even yesterday, well, I think it was yesterday. I don't know. I just heard it today, though, where he was at a rally. He was talking about the protests in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and he was saying how it was a beautiful sight 
to see the army pushing around the protests. He said verbatim, it was beautiful to see them being pushed around. I was like, wow. And in the midst of everything that's happening in Nigeria, then you have the president of America saying that he agrees with basically police brutality on peaceful protests. Like, and what amazes me is because I was I was reading some some journalists, some like um, global economic journalism or something like that. And like years ago, the U.S. or the U.N., but mainly America was the global police of America was the global police of the uh, the world. Mm-hmm. Like if something was happening in another country, who who would who the, the the country that everyone expects to step in is the U.S. Right or the or Canada. And now it it's not even like the U.S. isn't stepping in, which they aren't. Nobody is. No it, one. It's is. because the and because greatly greatly so. I mean, we have a because, whole pandemic and, and stuff because like that. every country is literally under some type of the exactly. every country is like listen, we have our own problems. We don't have time. Unfortunately, that's the case, and so we're at like ground zero. It's no, we had we used to have a, a G seven, used to have a G twenty, we don't have a G anything right now. Yeah, and so it's like countries the, are literally fighting their own. The battle. world is watching. The world is watching the homicide in Congo. The world is watching the protests in, um, in I believe it's Ivory Coast in Ghana where they're they're fighting for the government to realize that you know, um women are being sexually abused and raped and no one's doing anything about yeah. it the, the the traffic the child trafficking that's happening like it's just that whole country is just in an that whole continent sorry is in an upheaval and it's gonna take like the world to just turn and and realize that they need help absolutely yeah i mean it's 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 really crazy what's happening and honestly <clears throat> all we can really do at this point is is pray because what if it's like at this i was like what else can you do you feel helpless we posted on our instagram page of where you can go Mm -hmm. um feminist let me see feminist co yeah feminist co where you can go there and see how you can donate yeah um see how you can educate yourself educate yourself all that so go to our youtube page if you haven't already check out that post to get educated, see how you can donate and all that, but yeah, it's hard. I I definitely asked her as well. <laughs> I said I asked her. I'm like, does this like? Because I remember like when Jamaica had their hurricane, and you know we were sending down barrels and all of that stuff, and people were just like, they were they were so on edge about how their family was doing in in Jamaica. And I asked her. I was like, do you does this make you wanna like go back? to nigeria to be with your people even though it is dangerous to be yeah. there like does it does this make you like want to go back and she's like well to be honest with you i know i'm safe here mm-hmm. i know i'm safe in canada but obviously when i see these things happening to my people in my country of course i want to like run back and be and be with my people but it's not it's not safe and yeah. so you're kind of you're in between a rock and a hard place because you know you love your country and you love your people, but you understand that, you know, being there could cost you your life. Yeah. Um, a couple of them, like my boy was saying he felt like guilty mm. because he knows he's here and he's safe. And he felt guilty because he's like, I want to be there, but he knows he can't be there to help. And it's, he feels helpless just tweeting about it or just 
putting posts on Instagram when people are like legit over there protesting on the streets and getting shot for it. Like, I don't know. It's 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 mad. I know a lot of people are just like, I'm glad there's a lot of awareness happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it, t- it it takes calling out and dragging out people for there to be awareness. I know Tiwa Savage. Um, if you guys don't know Tiwa Savage, she's um, one of the top Nigerian like artists in Niger in Nigeria. I like her a uh, lot. Yeah, she's amazing. She's gorgeous. She was on Beyonce's Blackest King um, album. I wish we would have started the podcast around the time that that came out. That would have yeah. been such an interesting conversation. Yeah, a lot of people had a lot to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so she and other people, you know, kind of called out Beyonce um, for not speaking up. Do you have the clip? I do. Play the clip for the Let's people. Let's play it. Down to the cold and to be amongst the few people that were involved in this project. It's called Black is King, um, the gift album. <clears throat> so I'm going to say this. Please do not quote me out of context, but... I want to use my platform right now to call Beyonce and the whole team that reached out to a lot of Nigerians, Nigerian artists, Nigerian producers, Nigerian video directors, dancers, creatives. I'm calling on Beyonce and her team the same way they use their platform and so grateful for that the same way they use their platform to elevate and to show the world that black is king and how beautiful Afrobeat and africa and our culture is i want them to please use their voice and their platform right now because the same country that birthed this genre is on fire right now it's and rightly so rightly so i actually a friend posted something on instagram and i was reading their story and they said like along the lines of what she said you know all those afro beats that everyone is suddenly you know in love with and Mm -hmm. they love to dance to and all that stuff she said like really blatantly we're not gonna have anything to dance to if all of our favorite artists are gunned down in their country that's true and honestly i think beyonce deserved that little drag because how are you gonna come out with a blackest king album like tiwa said um highlighting african culture especially nigerian culture and then not say anything about what's happening in Nigeria before you say anything. I mean, yeah, she dropped um, a statement today, mm-hmm. earlier today, about it. what she's doing and who she's partnered with. But before you did that, you dropped that you're releasing another Ivory Park collection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it seemed just a little bit tone deaf. It seemed just a little bit tone deaf. So it's not that we hate Beyonce. We still love Beyonce. We still respect her. But it was tone deaf. And she deserved that drag because you can't be celebrating the culture, profiting off of the culture. And then when real life hits, then you're silent. So then I have a question. 
was black is king cultural appropriate appropriation i can't talk guys sorry we know this um, but was black is king cultural appropriation because i heard this this conversation being thrown around a bit when it came out that you know beyonce's not african and she's profiting off of african culture you know in this movie but then people countered with like no you know this is cultural appreciation because she's you know there's there's some there's facts you know the some of the artifacts and some of the styles and and the music and stuff like that and just some of the things that were in the movie were you know they they held just like they were they were verified or or vilified or or factual you know um com in comparison to african culture so it wasn't like she was contorting it or like misusing it or something like that that like she was using it appropriately but now when we see that the same nation that she got all of her content from is in crisis and she says nothing it kind of raises the question of were you really appreciating the culture or were you really appropriating the culture what do you think um i don't think it was cultural appropriation you don't no because she i would say if she um did the whole album with all americans and none of them had were Nigerian or none of them had anything to do, then I'd be like, yeah, that's appropriation. But she actually used Nigerian artists. She used Nigerian directors. She used Nigerian producers, choreographers, dancers. Yeah. And so they were there with their own. They were, you know? I, I understand, but I don't know because, I mean, I look at it the same way that I look at Jamaica because personally, I feel like Jamaican culture is the most appropriated culture on the planet. Per the most. Personally. And the most. Yet, Jamaica is the third poorest country in the Caribbean. So, for me, I'm like, there should be no dark streets in Jamaica. There mm. should be no, 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 like, dirt. But that also has a lot to do and with the corruption of the I government. I as understand well. that. I do, and I do. But it's just like. For all for all of the influence that we have in mainstream culture, like we've we've birthed genres, food, styles, yeah. dance, all of that stuff, music, Jamaica should be profiting off of some of that, but we don't. But is that that others' problem or is that Jamaica's problem? I mean, I now that's that's a tough that's a tough question. I that's a question that I don't necessarily have the answer to, but it's just like. I feel that it's in part Jamaica's problem for not thinking of ways how you see it, that your stuff is hot commodity for years. Why haven't we put systems in place to make sure that we benefit from it? But why? We know you want our stuff. Mm -hmm. Why are we always giving our stuff away? That's the problem. Jamaica, we give our stuff away. Jamaica's very liberal with their culture. Yes, we give our stuff away. So I feel like that's Jamaica's problem. At the same time. I feel like for me, the line of appropriation is when you are quick to borrow from a culture and not as same and not at the same time, just as quick to lend back to it. That for me. And so when you see, you know, you know, um, white people come and they go to Jamaican parties and they take dances and go back to their country and start teaching classes. Right. Or when you see these, you know, watered down. Uh, Jamaican recipes on these cooking channels and stuff like that. But again, again, down. again, I think that has to do with the fact that 
not saying that Jamaican people haven't thought of it. I know there's a lot of other um, things, external forces behind why, you know, Jamaicans or black people may not be able to start certain businesses, like not having the capital first and foremost or whatever. But I think that has a lot to do with the fact that that's not their fault if they come to Jamaica, they learn something, and then they go back and capitalize off of it. Because trust me, if an authentic Jamaican person were to come to Canada or U.S. and start a dancing class, I bet you any money, more people will go to the authentic Jamaican person's class than that white person that just learned a one-two step and then start to do a, a class. More people would go to the Jamaican person's class, but the authentic Jamaican person is not having a class. Mm. So... I mean, it's just, and I, I struggled with this because I'm just like, we're all very, we're so quick to borrow from, from cultures that we, we, we don't keep the same energy when they, when they need help or when they cry out for help or when it's, it's time to lend back to them. We're, we're, we're super hesitant and apprehensive. And that's what I saw with Beyonce. Like we had this whole like film you know, with, with African culture and black culture in it. And then the time, like, NSARS is, hasn't, didn't just start now. Yeah. So Beyonce had, Beyonce had time. You said right. she put out a campaign yeah. for, for Ivy Park or whatever it is. Like she, she had time. She made a choice of what she wanted to, to, to spearhead or what she wanted to, to put in front. And NSARS wasn't the priority. Yeah. And I think that's why she deserved the drag. True. I think that's why she deserved it. I mean, Tiwa Savage did it gracefully. She didn't. She wasn't all belligerent or anything like that. But right. She definitely needed. Because she be. also had to be, play it smart as well. Because you know, Beyonce also put her on the project. Not saying that. Oh, like oh my gosh, now she's arrived. Because Beyonce. I'm not saying that, but I think also to maintain like business, um, and to maintain yeah. rapport, she had to do it. She did it with grace. I commend her for that. She definitely. Did it with grace. Definitely. She did it definitely with grace, but yeah, man, that's what's that's kind of what's been on our our hearts. So make sure you know. I know a lot of you are praying, but continue to pray for these countries: Nigeria, absolutely, Congo, just all of Africa, this this whole country, this whole globe, because there is so much coming out every day. Things we don't even know about are happening. <laughs> Certain places day. just don't have cameras. Every day, and that's what they're. That's even what they're doing in Nigeria, like. SARS, they're taking out security cameras so that these these slaughterings won't be. It's be just a lot. It's, it's just, just a lot. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So we need to we need to like we need to pray for these countries and pray for our family, pray for ourselves, pray for our loved ones, for protection, for guidance, for wisdom during this time. Yeah, it's crazy, but bringing it back to <laughs> Canada. Heavy episode already. I man. know, I know, I know. It's but okay. like it's it's it's. The times that we're in it feels almost wrong to like not speak on it yeah you we know? gotta talk about you it you have to talk about it so let's get back to bringing it our back nation to Canada. there is a a case called for justice for a beg yes. out in calgary oh okay. a young black girl i believe she was 12 years old she killed herself committed suicide because she was bullied at her school mm-hmm and um, sorry, I'm gonna need you to help me here. You know, my That's voice cool. is I got you. Like... So, a beg con for those who don't know, um, 
she took her life. She took her own life on September 5th of 2020. Um, she went to a, a school that was in within the Calgary Catholic School District. Um, I believe it was uh, St. Gabriel, the Archangel School. That's what That was the, the name of the school. And like you said, she was being bullied um, constantly. And she told teachers, she told principals, she told her parents, and they did, they didn't, they did, well, the parents went to the school and stuff like that, at, but the school didn't do anything about it to vilify what was going on, mm. to stop what was going on. And it was insistent. The bullying was insistent. It was cyberbullying to be, to be in fact. Uh, she said that there were times where she would be terrified to leave her home. Yep. She would refuse to leave her car. Like she, she, she just never got the help that she needed. And, you know, worse came to worse and she ended up taking her own life. And now people are calling that the Catholic of uh, the Calgary Catholic um, school district is held accountable for this because this should have never happened under your watch. Right. This should have never happened. And also um, a lot of people are saying that it's also the parents fault as well because she spoke the parents only followed up one time one time so once um they heard that uh that she, she i guess a bag never brought it up to her parents again her parents went spoke to the school and um they just suspended one of the bullies just one of the bullies mm -hmm. and um i'm trying to find where it talks about the parents um, I'm kind of surprised at that, that they're holding the parents accountable. No, but it makes sense. It makes sense. Think about it. You're, you know, your kid is being bullied. Mm -hmm. You go and speak to the principal once. You don't follow up to see if this is still happening. You don't follow up with the school to see what has been put in place. To, I understand to end that. this. You don't follow up at all. You just speak about it once, and then just because just because your daughter doesn't speak about it again, you assume that everything's okay. I would like to believe that you know, just like any parent, they trust the school system. That's why you put your your child in that school. That's why you entrust your child in that school system because you trust the school system. It only it, for me, I experienced bullying as well in in school and that's why i said a couple of days ago i'm like the the public school system needs to get teared down too absolutely you trust the school system but as a parent you still need to follow up with your child you still need to follow up with the school i don't care you still I, need to follow up yeah i mean did it did it say how many times a bag went to her parents other than well, okay, let's just say she went multiple times. That's fine. We, it doesn't. We don't need a barometer in terms of how many times. But if I'm a parent, I'm not saying that I'm not going to be involved. You know, in you know what's going on. If my child says that she's being bullied at school, of course I'm going to be involved. Of course I'm going to be you know um, want to know what's going on and follow up with the school and stuff like that. But you're also trusting the school to do their job. Yeah, it says the principal didn't call. Um and Con's parents, after they came to the school, the first time they were, the first time they knew she was bullied, after saying they would deal with it. So the parents thought, since they never contacted them again, the issue was resolved. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. That to me is for me. It's just like I'm trusting. That's why I sent my child to the school, and that's why I need you guys to do your. I'm at work. You know, I'm. But doing, we I'm doing other know stuff. how much times schools don't um contact parents for things. So is that on because this happened? The bullying. I mean, it was cyberbullying, of course, but she was also um experiencing bullying like at school. And so, as a parent, I'm not on the grounds. I'm not in the class. That's why you it's you need to make sure you follow up because you're not there to see. But while I'm so, in- why are you just gonna take their word for it when this comes to a matter of your your child being bullied? Because the only reason why I sent my my child to this school in the first place was that I'm entrusting you with the well being of but my child. There, for eight hours. that is where you went wrong. As a parent, then you they, gave too much trust to the school, and that's where you went wrong as a parent. Just because you entrust them with your child for eight hours doesn't mean they're always going to have your child's best interest at heart. No, of course. Point in blank, this case, because as we said, as it was said, they only suspended one of the bullies. Mm-hmm. They only suspended one of the bullies, and then after she um, committed suicide. All they did was give a little lame ass announcement, yeah, and then carried on with the rest of the day. And Clearly, there- they did not have the child's best interest at heart. So, as a parent, you cannot assume that another grown adult who did not birth your kid, who only sees your kid for eight hours of the day, is gonna have your kid's best interest at heart. No, guys, do not become the principal that takes care of Crystal's children. Because she's not having that at all. It's it's any parent, any parent <laughs> would will any parent will come on here and say that no, they would they have to follow up. If you know your child's being bullied, just because you, you don't hear anything back from the school, mina business. I am going to go and follow up with them. Okay, I didn't hear anything from you. So what happened? What's going on? You didn't follow up. You didn't tell me what happened. What has been put in place? Have these students been suspended? Have they been expelled? Yeah. What's going on? Why am I not hearing anything? Of course. Because, I mean, when I was a kid in ele- in elementary school, because she was, what, 12? When I was her age, my, my mom was very involved in my schooling. But I think the reason why I had the standpoint that I had was because I'm not I'm not hesitant to escalate anything. You know, we'll go. We'll, we've been at the school board. We've been to Peel District. We've been to the, the, the Dufferin Peel and all that stuff for many issues. But at the same time, it's just like I'm sending my I'm sent like if I was to govern, you know, just my my child's relations in terms of in a school setting, I would have just homeschooled them. I'm the reason why I'm even sending this child to the school or entrusting them in the school system is because. I can't, I'm not all parents are able to do that. So they have to send their kids to school. And while I'm sending them to school, I'm entrusting you guys, even though you don't know my child, even though you didn't birth my child, that's fine. But I'm trusting that you guys are, tri- because you went to teacher's college, you received certifications, it don't you matter. did training and all that stuff. It don't matter. So, and, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I don't want to. It don't matter. When it comes to issues such as bullying, when it comes to issues such as bullying, no. You need to be more involved. I'm sorry. You need to be more involved. You, it's. I can understand you saying, oh, I'm entrusting 
my teacher, the teachers, um, when it comes to my child's education, because you went to teacher's college, I'm entrusting you to, you know, make sure she knows her one, two, threes and her ABCs. I'm entrusting you to do that because you went to teacher's college to study that. I'm entrusting you. But when it comes to issues such as bullying, no, you need to be more hands-on. So do you think that public schools are equipped to handle bullying at all? I don't know. Maybe individual schools are. Maybe as a whole, I I don't know. Like I don't have any kids now. I don't really um, know anyone who has kids that's dealing with bullying. So I can't really say. This is what makes me hesitant to have kids. Cause kids are evil. Like today's kids, like today's kids are out of this world. I don't know what's gotten into them. I don't know. It's it's crazy. But the school needs to be held accountable. I don't mean to put all the like blame on the parents i mean because i'm sure the parents are absolutely devastated and i'm sorry for that family um i'm sorry that they have to go through that i'm sure like they like you said they probably had the same stance as you um and maybe now like you know they're realizing that unfortunately schools systems principals people don't have the child's best interests at heart and it's even and you know and apparently she was like one of the few black children in that, uh, in that school so if this was a chad or if this was a stephanie or if this was a hillary this would have probably gotten a little bit more attention potentially if this wasn't in a big con you know what i'm potentially. saying Potentially. so obviously we see we can't ignore the disregard because it it is a black child You're right and i've seen firsthand where you know the detention hall is filled with black kids Yep. You know, everyone that's suspended, you know, it's it's black kids. Yep. Field trips, all the black kids are separated from each other. Assemblies, all the black kids are separated from each other. We see the 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 neglect and the over policing of black children in the school system. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like that's why I'm like just tear every tear everything up. Flip everything from the government to the school system, flip everything. everything. And let's just redo everything. But is that ever going to happen? In my lifetime, I, I, we can only pray. We can only pray because we know as Canadians that, you it's know. Ingrained. It's and, ingrained. But people don't, wa- people don't want to realize that Canada is not just this, this sweet place, this sweet multicultural breadbasket of culture it's that people painted to it. Painted to be. It's ingrained in, the, in our education system from SK to university and that brings me to the university of toronto uh is it toronto or ottawa university of ottawa there sorry we go that makes more sense that could never happen this could never happen at york university this, you think this could happen at, at humber college what just happened in ottawa potentially that could never happen. i don't put anything past anybody what? anymore i don't put anything past anybody anymore but this happened in the university of ottawa Let's right now there's it. an ongoing debate of some professors apparently signing a petition because they want to be able to use the n-word 39 in their classes 39 professors defended a part-time professor for the use of the n-word in class now this doesn't surprise me because it's ottawa my thing is like why do they feel the need to use the word the n-word like not saying saying the n-word we all know what you mean when you say the n-word why do you need to say the full out well they're word. just the justification was that you know they wanted to use the word in class so that they could discuss 
how society has reclaimed the word and uh what's it called the classroom is a place for debate that's what they said you say the n word why do you need to say the full out word the word for is tri- the word is triggering to a lot of people why are they defending being able to have a word being said in class that they know triggers a whole demographic of people <sighs> man and so this is just for me i'm just like ban the use of of course i'm ban the use of the word you know educational per- you don't need to use the word there's no necessity on using the word we can still no get need. The, we can still get the same information the same education out of your lesson without you using racial slurs at all there's no need like actually there's absolutely no need because we it's not we all know what the word is when you say the n-word everybody on the planet knows what the n-word is so why do you need to feel that you need to say the full era or whatever the hell well, what is what difference is that going to make in your lesson? I found that what they said because I read an article, I forget which one it was, but what they said was because society has reclaimed the word, that stuck out to me a lot. And it's even though you know the the n word is used heavily in in mainstream culture, it's you see it on Twitter, you see it on social media, you you hear it in music and all of that stuff, and. I feel like because the word is so public now that people feel like they have license to it. They no. feel like they have rights to use it because it's it's out. If you wanted us not to use the word, then you shouldn't say the word. You should have kept the word within yeah. your within your people or within your culture and stuff like that. But it's just like it's that societal entitlement that people have. For me now, for me, mm-hmm. I personally personally do you use the word i mean i say something sometimes i say like my nigga yeah or whatever um so we can, I, we can say that on this podcast i know sorry i know you don't <laughs> like using the word no i use it i swear we had this conversation before. no nah, like, like well i'm not gonna use the hard er but like just yeah, like, no, nigga, I like i use that i say nigga all the time and me personally also oh we had this conversation mm-hmm. i know we did I don't really get offended when, like, I see, like, an okay. Asian kid or, a white, or a, white, a white kid using the word. If they're using it kind of, like, in the same context that I would use it. Like, if they're with their bros or whatever. Nah. My, my nigga, whatever. Eh. Like, to me, like, that that really doesn't irks me. I mean, what would irks me is I feel like as if it's the older generation that uses it the older like white generation because mm-hmm. they know what the word is because yeah you know you you know i feel like that's when i'm gonna get offended like if an old white man uses that word no why using that word because you're coming from a different generation than me so you using that word there's something behind it there's something behind it for me i'm just like no one uses the word but black people if black people don't want to use the word they don't have to but it's I for me I personally believe it's off limits to every other culture only because say for example you're on the playground and a kid comes and pushes you down and you break your arm now over time your arm heals 
and you have you know how a you know how a story that you can tell your friends about some kid that that broke your arm and you have the scar and everything and you can laugh about it because you know it's healed now but then the kid comes along and starts laughing with you in the story me personally i'm gonna take offense you can't laugh at that because you were the one that caused the harm that's not your that's not your trauma to laugh about that's not your experience to joke about that's our experience that we can use either to heal or to to help or whatever or to uplift or whatever that's ours by virtue of what was done to us that's ours you don't get to kiki and take part in that you don't get you don't get to do that only because that's not that that's that wasn't your experience i hear what you're saying and i agree um i think that though um you have to look at like intent behind it i think i I, think you have to look at intent because like to your same i don't know to your same point um point or your same anal 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 Anal- it's okay. Analogy, you can you can keep going. Analogy, it's, it's analogy, fine. analogy. To your same analogy. <laughs> to your same analogy. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Oh, to why your, did you say that? To your same analogy. Yep. Um, if you if you broke your foot or somebody pushed you, and they caused you to break your foot, if somebody else was in there and they saw it happen, but they're not the one that broke your foot, and then you go back and tell the story. And you're laughing about it. The person that didn't cause you to break your foot, that wants to like laugh along with you, because now looking back at it is funny. Mm. Are you gonna be mad at them? And I that's and that's where that's where the 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 toughness about that conversation is because it's about now it becomes about you allowing other people to say the word, and so now black people look at other black people that are fine with other people like saying it in you know in in conversation because they they know like your white friend doesn't meet you know he he doesn't have those feelings against you he doesn't think that you're a coon or a porch monkey or anything like that see the thing is i don't think i would i wouldn't want them to say it to me mm. i wouldn't want like a non-black person to be like my nigga to me mm. or to another black person but if they want to say my nigga to themselves Honestly, it doesn't bother me. It's all about intent, the intent behind it. I can I can understand that. We could agree to disagree. It's all about the intent. You can still get laid out by me though if I catch you saying it. But if Crystal's fine with it, then if you want, if be you're Crystal's a Filipino friend. person and you want to say my nigga to another to your bro who also is Filipino, honestly, that doesn't offend me to be honest. But when you start saying my nigga to like me and then you start getting sticky what then it starts getting sticky even if the intent it was still like harmless it still starts getting sticky so then if the intent for the university of ottawa was to educate their students then what's the problem with them because of the, the people that are saying it and there's no point in them saying it and it's because of the people that want to say it it's because of the people that want to say it. old, white, crofty oh God. professors. Oh, no. <laughs> that want to say it. Why the adjective, though? Why crofty? Because they probably are crofty. Oh, God. Like, you're signing petitions 
to say the n-word that probably that you're probably crufty that baffled me you're probably crufty and he came back to work the part-time professor that was put on leave he he got his job he got their job back of course he or she i don't know because they're gonna defend academic um rights or whatever yeah academic liberty or whatever that that foolishness is point blank period if carlos catches you saying the word You'll have problems. Like, imagine just saying it full on right as a big, broad back, gray back, um, white professor, and you have like <laughs> black students in your class, and you just want to be like, oh, nigger, 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 like, gray back. Like, you know what I'm saying? And these are like, oh, how I mean, the heck? but in, in, in high school, we had to read To Kill a Mockingbird, and I think it's to, to Kill a Mockingbird or a Time to Die, one of those old books. To Kill books. a Mockingbird, probably. But the word, the N-word is in that book. I don't remember the, I don't remember if the teacher said it, though, to be honest. It's in there. And so it's just like something needs to be said about just the public school system at large, just just public universities, public high schools or, or whatever. It's just school systems at large that allow or just have a blatant disregard for black lives. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be said by them. If you're teaching, if it's a black teacher teaching on the history of African-American history or African-Canadian history mm-hmm. or something. That's true. Then I feel like that's a different that's context. That's fine, yes. And for them to use the word. But if you are just a white English literature teacher and you so happen to have a book that has the word nigger in it, sorry, didn't mean to say it. It's fine. It happens to have an N word in it. Like, why do you? Why do you need to say it? It's just you like, don't need to say it. Exactly, and I think to your point as well, it comes to having the appropriate people. You, Mister White Man, don't need to say it. <laughs> is what I'm saying. It comes down to having the appropriate people in the right position so that we don't have these kind of controversies. Because like you said, if it was a black professor, if I'm a black professor, I know when to and when not to use the word, especially. And also because the word affects you, too. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Other black people may not be okay with the word. Uh, even if I am black, I'm not just going to say take the liberty to be insensitive and be like, nigga, 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 nigga. And you <laughs> and I know that you have a problem with the word just being said in general. I'm not going to use that. But a white person doesn't necessarily have that sensitivity to that right. word to be like, oh, well, I'm not going to use. It's just it's just a word to them. Right. Just like any other word, just like exactly. Jack in the Box. Or, it's about the sensitivity behind it, which a black professor may have a white professor may not have mm-hmm. not saying that that might not be the case for every single person but in general yeah just no just no just come off it just <laughs> just come off of it like it's not necessary oh man yo tell the people what what's next crystal you tell the people you want me to tell them yes listen guys so <clears throat> i'm gonna tell you a story story time benji for a bit <laughs> so i'm in my i'm in my house i think no I th- yeah i'm in my house and crystal sends me a message and i'm gonna be honest with you crystal it, was, it wasn't that late but i was just like okay crystal is sending me something and it's kind of it's kind of late i think i was playing among us or something like that and you're like listen to this and it was like a three-hour podcast i'm like crystal what is this i read the description and it's talking about i skimmed through it it's talking about ganyan men and how they don't date Ghanaian women and all that stuff i'm just like i don't know anything about Ghanaian men and crystal's like just listen to it and i listened to it 
and I had to stop it like not even half an hour through it because Crystal, the way my blood was boiling listening to this podcast is so tell the people what the podcast is about so saints of god <clears throat> apparently um i won't say their names no say their names you can say their names well i'll say the name of the podcast yeah say the name of the podcast so there's a podcast from toronto called views from venus where shout out shout out to views from venus uh much love from the kick up um views from venus held an episode um, titled Love Yours, where they talked about, where she talked about with another Ghanaian woman about... And, like two other Ghanaian guys. Okay, yeah, and two other Ghanaian guys later into the episode about how Ghanaian men um, seemingly do not like to date Ghanaian women. And when they asked Ghanaian men why, uh, Ghanaian men had a, um, a myriad of reasons as to why. They said that Ghanaian men, Ghanaian women were boring, Ghanaian women, you know, don't, they're not exciting. They don't do the, the, the stuff in bed and all that stuff. And, you know, they have their, their standards are too high and a whole bunch of other, they don't show them love. They don't show them love. They don't feel loved by Ghanaian women. And it results to them now to date Caribbean women. And by Caribbean, we mean Jamaican more specifically, more specifically Jamaican women. And it turned into from what from what uh, we heard and what the Jamaican community in Toronto heard at large, it turned into a bashing session, Caribbean bashing, session. a Caribbean bashing session, because um, it, it, it for for me, at least what I heard was that, you know, why do you want a Caribbean woman when, you know, a Caribbean woman, they, they don't. They don't do this. They don't have that. You know, it, they can only give you sex. They're yeah, just... they were basically saying how um, these two Ghanaian women, they were up. They couldn't understand. They couldn't fathom why Ghanaian men would want to date Caribbean women, specifically Jamaican women. Um, now, they didn't say it directly, but they implied that Caribbean women, like, don't have education. Mm. They don't run their business. They don't have mm. good jobs mm. that were only good for... You know, the boom, did a bing, bing in boom, the bed. Bing, bing. And that Caribbean women only want to be with night right, with Ghanaian men for the lifestyle because Caribbean men cannot provide that type of lifestyle. <clears throat> you hear that, guys? Um, so we're broke pocket boys. You hear that, guys? Yeah. So Caribbean guys are apparently broke. They can't. Give, <laughs> they can't give us anything. So that's why we find. Oh. We go to the Ghanaian men. Um, so that's kind of like what the the gist. They just they just couldn't understand it. They just like, why wouldn't why wouldn't Ghanaian men want women with high standards? Why wouldn't Ghanaian men want women that have good jobs? Why wouldn't Ghanaian men have, want women with degrees? So that's kind of like what they were saying, implying that Caribbean women don't have those things. And apparently, Twitter was in an uproar for like a day or so just over this yeah and it forced them well forced her to come out the next week with an apology but but even before that like um like to address that mm -hmm. obviously they're highly 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 wrong. incorrect misinformed because let me just tell you from a caribbean women's perspective let's talk about it a lot of caribbean women that I know 
including myself. I think I know what you're about to say. We do not chase Taco! these Ghanaian men. Listen, listen. I wasn't about let to say it. Let me tell you. <laughs> I wasn't let me about tell to you say it. For a fact. <laughs> Facts. In fact, <laughs> it's more so like we try to run away a lot of the times. Listen. A lot of the times we try to stay in our lane. Because let me tell you, myself included, I will date anybody. There's only one demographic that I will not date. And I'm not going to say it over this podcast. But I will literally, I would date anybody. I'm not um, picky like that. But my preference is a Caribbean man. That's my preference. That's typically what it is. And that's typically what the preference is of a lot of Caribbean women. Yes. No matter what the island. Is to be with another Caribbean man. Right. Maybe not specifically from their own country, but they rather be with another Caribbean man. A lot of the times it's because of similar cultures, getting the same jokes, um, understanding family dynamics, and all that other stuff that comes with dating within your culture. And obviously... Caribbean culture is more similar than um, going out and dating someone from the African culture. Now, however, mm. just because Caribbean women are more open, and I, that's what I would say, it's Caribbean women, I feel, are more open mm-hmm. from what I've seen and having a lot of Nigerian friends and having Ghanaian friends, I see that it seems like Caribbean women are more open. So just because we're more open, we are... We give a we if a Ghanaian man approaches us or a Nigerian man approaches us, a lot of us would probably give them the chance mm-hmm. and you know see what they're about, mm-hmm. and a lot of us will you know take what they're giving us, and a lot of us don't look into maybe all the other traditional or stuff that maybe another Ghanaian woman might look into when they're looking at a Ghanaian man because a lot of these Ghanaian women on the podcast were saying that they don't want to date outside of their Ghanaian culture. Well, that's not a lot of the, a lot of Caribbean women don't necessarily feel that way. Yeah, we might have a preference for Caribbean men, but we will date outside of our culture. Yeah. And when I say these Ghanaian men, they come. A lot of them come. Keyword, keyword, because and I, I was about to say the same thing. In my entire life, I have like never we sought once, like we're sought I have never. I read on Twitter. Uh, someone said, "Yo, Jamaican women really live rent free in people's minds, like unprovoked." I tweeted a couple of days ago, like Jamaican women can really have any man that they want, any man that they want, because. In my entire 23 years of life, personally, that's what I believe. Personally, I have never seen one Jamaican woman go look man anywhere. We cut. Hold on. We covered this. We. We. We covered this. (laughs) I don't know what the confusion is. Me that girl me not fight over man. From a little bit of just some time. Where was the confusion? We 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 went over this in in class. Jamaican women are not look. And for, for me, personal experience, the the only like you said, Caribbean women traditionally go for people within their own culture. If I see a a Jamaican woman go for any other culture first it's white men yeah you know and you know it's a fun tell another tell another story tell another story 
I was a kid growing up. You know, my mom was a single parent mom. And my mom played a lot of music in, in her house. And I would look through, you know, the CDs and stuff like that. And I, I started to notice, you know, my mom has a lot of Kenny G. And a lot of, you know, Michael Bolton. And uh, a lot of, you know, the Gaither Gospel Hour. And, 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 and Chris Tomlin. And, you know, she'd come home and watch Young and the Restless every, every afternoon. And I'm just like, I had to put two and two together. And I'm like. Mom, you like white guys? She's like, yeah, I have no problem with them. But I, in my mind, I'm just like, I thought we all, I, I, my kid mind, I'm like, we all stay with, you know, one another. Because I understand that Caribbean men aren't perfect. We aren't. We all sure aren't. We, are, we aren't. But, you know, the, the Caribbean Neither men, are still, African men. They still, <laughs> they still give us a chance and they'll still date and marry within their own culture before they even go but they won't seek out a man but to their point they were saying how it's been like a wave recently where um it's like a light bulb switched and all of a sudden like african culture and african men especially dark skin african men are like the hot commodity so everybody wants a dark skin african mandingo type of man i don't actually disagree with that because Afro- that's everybody african culture hasn't necessarily been in the mainstream for a long time now as much as like caribbean culture but listen though and they were getting upset yes that, they were getting upset that oh why does everybody want it why does everybody want um to be a part of Ghanaian culture why is everybody coming to the return um the year of the return why is everybody listen first of all i I would think you would be happy that people are waking up and appreciating your culture. That's what I would think. I would think you would be happy that people are appreciating your culture. Because education, when you know better, you do better, right? Right. That's what you would think. When you know better, you do better. Because let's be honest, for years, Caribbean people had bad thought, negative stuff about Africans and African cultures. Mm -hmm. For years, you know, we a lot of us only thought of them in this one particular light. Right. But over the time, and because of um, social media, because of um, sharing of information, because of education, we our eyes have been open to un- to see more of the beauty of the Ghanaian culture and the Nigerian culture, whatever culture. So of course, when you learn more about a culture and you understand more about a culture, you're gonna appreciate it more. You're gonna appreciate the food. You're gonna appreciate the music. You're gonna appreciate the people. And a part of appreciating the people will be appreciating the men, appreciating the women. So obviously, it makes sense why you would see more people wanting to maybe date an African man. And now that these African men are now realizing that, oh, okay, maybe like other women are checking for them, they want to go and maybe check for the other women too because maybe before they felt like no other woman was going to check for them but their own. Plus, you live in Toronto. Exactly. And I, I did my research. Toronto, Jamaica, Jamaicans make up one of the top 20 ethnicities represented in Toronto. Nigeria's not in there. Ghana's not in there. So statistically, they're outnumbered. So if a, Ga- a Ghanaian man comes here, he's going to see Caribbean women. Right. And more chances than not, he's going to be attracted to the Caribbean woman. Because we're sexy to blue. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not. You're definitely not wrong. Big up all the Jamaican sisters. But it's just like, and, and I don't, and I, I don't want to like sound like, cause I love, I have 
friends that are Ghanaian. I have friends that, you know, they they come from, you know, we have Congolese friends. Yeah. I have Ni- we have Nigerian friends. And so it's not like I want them to, you know, st- I'm not going to say stay in Nigeria. If you don't want us to partake in your culture, stay in your in your country and, and keep it amongst your people. That's not what I'm saying at all. Because, you know, Canada, we're, we're known for being multicultural and participating and uplifting other people's cultures. But at the same time, you've got to be aware that if you come here, mm-hmm. other people are going to dibble and dabble in what you have to offer. And for years upon years upon years, we Jamaican women had to deal with Jamaican men wanting to date out, outside of their culture. Yeah. For years. Yeah. For years. It still happens. It still happens. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? It still happens. But it was just the whole it was the bitterness that came from that podcast that and they, and they got people it. upset. Like honest like I can't I cannot negate their feelings as a Ghanaian woman wanting to date a Ghanaian man and raise a, a you know a traditional Ghanaian family. I can understand how you could be frustrated when you feel like all your men are like not paying attention or not going for you i can understand the frustration but you're just but comfort it was just, we're not popping bottles we're not running it was, businesses it was just the we have no bitterness money. yeah saying that we're not doing anything listen all of my all of my caribbean friends are doing major things in life myself included okay i don't mean to brag but i'm a two-time homeowner okay meaning i own two properties Talk thank it. you okay i have a business talk about it uh, we started this podcast. I work a good job. Talk about I'm it. in the film industry. Good credit, I have gang. things going for me. I already know. Good credit. Uh, you uh, understand uh. what I'm saying? Yes, sir. You and know what? what, what? I have two degrees because they also said that we don't have degrees. Hallelujah. I have two degrees. You know what I'm saying? A lot of my Caribbean friends have masters and PhD doctorates and things. And they're, they're op- they, they've opened and are doing practices and all practices. that Practices. Like they're going to dentists. I have doctor friends. Come on. That are from Caribbean and they descent. Say, what amazed me was Business that they, they said all this with a Toronto Caribbean infused accent. Yes. <laughs> I was so confused. I'm like, how can you borrow from the same culture that you're slandering? And I'll say another thing because I noticed, you know, they said something about Caribbean women where they're just like, you know, they made it seem, from what I heard, they made it seem like, again, Caribbean women were coming and taking Ghanaian men from them. Yeah. So what the paint the picture that was painted because they'll say that you know Jamaican girls will be at African parties and be like yo hook me up with an African mm. hook me up with one of your African friends and stuff like that to make it seem like you know like Caribbean women are loose mm. like Caribbean women are just just sprawl out and and right. and all that stuff and we've got we've got to reprimand that because yes Caribbean women like to have fun. Caribbean yeah. women are very fun. fun we, they love to dance. They like they love to gallivant. They love to have with their friends. Okay. They, they 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 don't use the word gallivant. Gallivant. That's not a bad word. You like to go around and travel and and party. You and, like to have fun. Okay. You like to have fun. They're very fun, but they're not loose. One thing that we can say about Jamaicans is that we're very morally driven people. Even if we don't have a dime, we've got a list of Jamaican proverbs that we hold for life the higher the monkey climb the more i'm exposed all of that stuff <laughs> and so the one thing we have is morals even though we will have fun and we'll pop our in nephew and our baileys and and go to our crib and pop bottles and and stuff like that and go to our jobs the next day we're, we still have a moral standing as a people and so we're not 
we're not loose people, especially Caribbean Caribbean girls. They're not loose. They're not loose women. They're just women that like to have fun. Yeah, and so like I just was not feeling the vibes that they that podcast was on that episode. I'm not not gonna say like them as people because I don't know them as 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 people. Mm-hmm. Like we only listen to like an hour long episode, of course. Um, but like that that was like really 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 bitter. It was a really bitter episode, and it had to be addressed because I'm like. Nah, as a Caribbean woman, I'm not seeing what you're seeing. And as a Caribbean who's had Ghanaian men run me down before, mm. and me having to run away, I <laughs> I was just like, listen. <laughs> I'm like, listen, it's not what you guys are saying. Oh, man. So I don't know if it's these men telling you one thing when reality is another thing. You know what I'm saying? I have friends that can... Sh- my my friend, when she sent me the podcast, she's like, I have proof right now in my phone of a Ghanaian man that's ringing down, texting down her phone. Yeah. And she's being ignoring, ignoring, I, ignoring, I ignoring. That. I believe So, that. you know, like, come on. Like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like that. No. It's not like that. We accept, we're just an accepting culture. Like, the, like we mentioned we're before in the, culture, in yeah. the, earlier of this podcast we just as a people we're just an accepting culture and a lot of cultures gravitate to us because of that they realize that because of that like we literally accept anybody we literally accept anybody and we literally allow anyone to embrace our culture if you embrace our culture we embrace you exactly that's how we are as as jamaican people especially especially if you embrace our culture we embrace you that's why the dance hall scene is so big in japan you know what i'm saying that's why jamaican culture is so prevalent in the uk um just mainstream society and just mainstream society you know what i'm saying you will go anywhere on this planet and you will see the jamaican influence because you embrace our culture we embrace you and that's all it's is it's if not about running down no man no nothing and please yo put some respect on our name if you can't rap with us just say that just like y'all just say that just like uh, you no know we have amazing african Ghanaian, nigerian women doing big things amazing things we have big things happening over with the caribbean women as well so it's all love all around. Respect all around. We're black women at the end of the day. The tearing down of one another just because you're Ghanaian and you're Jamaican is disgusting. We never it doesn't need to happen. No, we never trouble on It doesn't need to happen. And girl, you might find yourself a, a strong, Hello. chocolatey, a nice Barrington. dread, you know, six-pack. <laughs> Jamaican a man Gar- a Garfield is waiting for you somewhere ready to cook you Come some on. nice oxtail and rice and peas Come on. you know ru- like Come on In a tiger mouth and you know what we'll be happy for you absolutely so come on. come on so we just had to address it but at the end of the day we said it's all love nothing but love it's all love nothing but love I really hope you listen to this podcast we're gonna tag her because I really hope you listen. It's all love at the end of the day. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. I if mean, you, if, you, if you don't trouble us, we won't trouble you. It's not even, And we're not even troubling you. One love. We're not even troubling you right now. We're just, uh, just bringing our point of view. We're just saying it's all love. And, yeah, if you, if you have a rebuttal, 
I mean, I don't know if you really would have a rebuttal because you said already that yeah. you apologize and you said it's there'll big, be no part buried. two. We don't need, we won't be digging it back up. We won't be harping on it any longer. We just felt like we had to say something because it is posted. So we said something, but we're good. Yeah, man. We're good. You know, it's just all love. It's all love for everybody, every culture, every skin color. All love. Before we go. Yeah. I got the one gotta go for you. Okay, this one I'm not going to do well with. Why not? Because I've already have not watched one of these shows. Ah, which one? Well, I'll put it in my the one that G- that's gotta me, go. Give me, give me a sitcom that you that you like, a black sitcom that you like. So the one gotta go that we have that we no, have. No, no, no. Just I'll, it will just be on my one's gotta go. No worries. Because I I I can't think of any. So right now. one gotta go. I'll tell you the one that I wanted to put in here. But the one gotta go is Fresh Prince of Bel Air. A Different World, The Cosby Show, and Martin. Now, I wanted to put where I wanted to put Martin, where where I wanted where I put Martin, I wanted to put girlfriends. Oh yeah, put girlfriends. Girlfriends. Put girlfriends instead of because, um, a different world. Hold on, what? Put girlfriends instead of a different world. Really? I never watched a different world. I'm gonna be so honest with you. I've never heard a black girl in Toronto say she's never seen a different world. Because I'm unique. I'm one of a kind, if you haven't noticed. All right, so then Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Girlfriends, The Cosby Show, and Martin. Okay. So who, first first off the board, who's staying for you? Staying, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Of course. Kind of like the same things I was saying last week. Come on. Like classic, iconic. We one of the best know, shows. We already know. That's my first two. Like, we we discussed this already. Yeah, so that's first on my list. Second on my list, The Cosby Show. Good choice. Why? Again, because I think it was such a beautiful portrayal of like a black family. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more wholesome shows like The Cosby Show, like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that we you know that are on today. But I don't know if people would eat that stuff up today in this 2020 world. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. I loved The Cosby Show. I loved the family values it had in it. Um, and it was funny, and they had serious episodes. They had funny episodes. They had real life episodes. Like it was good. It was just a well rounded show, and mm-hmm. it was a perfect. I love the nucleus family. You know, the mom, the dad, the kids, and successful black yeah, family. Successful black family. Kids are in school. Mm-hmm. Parents are doctors, and all that stuff. Like it's. It was great. I loved it. Was it was an amazing show. I loved it. My second choice is girlfriends. I mean, for me, Girlfriends was such a necessary black sitcom. It was, I mean, and I mean, I we've had a lot of sitcoms that, you know, we, I feel in retrospect, we needed to see on TV. And I feel like Girlfriends is one of them to see, you know, especially because there's all of this just like competition when it comes to black women, you know, um, in terms of career and relationship and, and aesthetic and hair and all that stuff. To see just four black women on TV who are not, you know, on welfare, who are not chasing after no baby daddy, who are not, you know, being the, the, the typical stereotype of a black woman. They're successful, you know, they're or, you know, periodically they'd be in love or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, they have just this strong bond between them of, you know, black female friendship that I feel like we need to see. And it was so heartwarming to see that. And it's a hilarious show. Yeah. 
some of the jokes in girlfriends are like top top notch i don't know i i forget who made the sitcom um but whoever it was they were in their bag because they came with girlfriends they came with the parkers they came with the game just like banger after banger after banger but specifically girlfriends has got to stay for me like i would if that was on tv i would i would watch it right away right away uh the third one that has to stay for me i would say is um the girlfriends um yeah so that means martin would have to go why because martin, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna come under fire for that one um because i never really watched martin that much to be honest i probably watched like martin three episodes of martin martin because it was between I, there was it was between fresh prince and martin you know mm-hmm. it was always between fresh prince and martin when it aired and I always just chose to go to Fresh Prince over Martin. Right. So I never really watched Martin that much. If you put, like, the Parkers on that list, it would be harder for me. I felt like I felt like it wasn't fair to put, like, and that's why I was apprehensive to put Girlfriends because Girlfriends is from a different era than, like, The Cosby Show and Martin and Fresh Prince. So I didn't mm-hmm. think that it would hold up, but these actually do hold up, and that's what makes, them, hold up. That's what makes them so much better. But my third is The Cosby Show. Mm-hmm. Which means that for me also, Martin would have to go. Okay, so why are you acting like? No, I'm... because I mean, I have to. I I have to keep some of the suspense in the show. But the reason why Martin has to go for me is because for me, Martin came off more because there were so many characters that Martin Lords played himself. Um, it felt like you know, it felt like a sketch comedy show. Mm. Um. And that's not, like, terrible. Like, we've had great sketch comedy shows like SNL and all that and all that stuff. But for me, I just took more to the situational comedies like Girlfriends and, like, The Cosby Show and, like, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and not so much. I mean, pound for pound laughs, Martin's got it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's very funny. However, as just, like, you know, just, like, a, a continuing story and develop mm-hmm. character development and all of that stuff – it, Martin just didn't really get it for me. It's not yeah. really the show that I can watch. Like I can, I can't binge Martin for some reason. Right, right, right. You know, so I'm sorry, guys, but Martin, yeah, you gotta <laughs> go. But the Parkers was also really good. Very good. Um, I mean, this is a different era, but the game was also really good. So I ask you, if you could bring back one black sitcom, what would it be? Well, what do you mean? Because you can watch all those shows now. I mean, if you were, if the one were to like reboot and come back with episodes, that would promise to be the same caliber as it was before it got off the air. For me, I always say it's the game. Yeah, I was gonna say the game. Oh, man, that was a moment. The game was good. Ah, oh, I think that was the first time I actually got into like because we saw the transition of like the game come from like an actual like sitcom yeah. to a drama. Yeah. And I still liked it when it turned into a drama. The game was good. I think that was my first, the first drama that I really, like, got interested into. Yeah, yeah. So. The game was really good. Guys, don't, was... don't come for us because we said. <laughs> because we said Oh, Martin. well. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so sad. Anyways, guys, that is our episode two. I mean, it was a little bit on the heavier side, but we had to address the things. Yeah, to just the things. You know what it is. This has been episode two. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
of the Kick Up Podcast. I have been Carlos. I am Crystal. And we will see you guys next week. Big up yourself if whoa, you're Jamaican. Whoa, 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 whoa. She's saying some raunchy things. Oh, I did not know. Yes. Give hold them on. a better out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I already myself. I already myself. I already Yeah, myself. like, come on. My bad. I didn't know. Yeah. You know, because obviously people are singing over the song all the time and you don't really hear. We tell the people this is a, you know, family podcast. Absolutely. I did not mean to. I, I I did not mean Give to. Give the people them a better outro. I got you. I got you. Hold they on. They could still be Jamaican, you know. Yeah. But like, you know, I look a bit of a cleaner version. Yo, he messed up that outro, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am so. We're about sorry. to go. Out. We're about to go out with a bang, guys. Guys. Don't was... even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. He just messed that. A, a Jamaican classic. Oh, what is you all know this Lord, you can reach wow. really this has been episode two of the kick up podcast what he picks? i've been carlos i've crystal and <laughs> we'll see you guys next week Jeez. bless your hearts wanna give up but i never wanna give up